Welcome to Coached Soul, a podcast for a better you. Here's your host, Steve Hudgens. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm Steve, your host. I'm a licensed professional counselor here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This podcast is about how to be a better you. Sometimes we interview a variety of people to help you to look at things from a different perspective. Julia, as always, it's pleasant to see you and to have your smiling face. It's always great to be with you. Thank you so much, Steve. I'm so grateful to be here with you as well. So just to kind of recap on our last episode, we were talking about your introduction to going into the hospital for what was a pretty serious issue. And when we uh, last dropped off, we were talking about the fact that you had just had a very, I want to say eye opening, heart opening Mm -hmm. experience as a, a close Roomy, I guess two rooms down from you, uh, there in the ICU, 81 year old, uh, lady, a stranger, you didn't know her had passed away. And this beautiful interaction with this nurse that you felt, even though you were in a state of, you were in literally in ICU trying to recover yourself, you felt this beautiful, overwhelming need to nurture and sucker the hurting heart of this nurse that was actually tending to bathing and cleaning you. So tell us a little, what happened after that? It's funny. Cause I fell back to sleep. I woke up probably about seven, seven 30 and I see security escorting the body. It was covered of course, but they're escorting it out. It's just impactful seeing that. And then in the memories again comes back, but this is Thursday. They finally came to me and told me, hey, they're on the edge of death. There were three different types of bacteria that were attacking you. And I'm not contagious uh, or anything like that. It was just they couldn't figure it out. So let's just stop right there sure. for just a, or pause for a second. Three different bacterias. Yes. Are these bacterias that normally grow in the body that just kind of went on a wild party spree and decide to take over? Or is it three that are not normally found in your system? So Doc and I rebuilt this rapport because as far as me as a mental health clinician, I try to educate myself and being able to be familiar with the medical field. So we're having some great, great conversation going on. And I'm not your typical patient because I do interact. I am proactive about my health. And that's one thing they noticed. So he shares my x-rays and things like that and explaining this and this. And I love it because I wanted to be a medical doctor when I was younger. But family is more important to me. So I didn't go down that field. He made an interesting statement. The human body has more microorganisms than the human cells. Therefore, what classifies us being a human? But both have to exist and coexist together in order to survive. And I thought that was a profound statement. Well, one of the bacteria was Klebsius uh, pneumoniae. Forgive me 
if I'm butchering that, uh, it is a bacteria in your gut that grows, but somehow it became overstimulated that it got into my lung and caused me to have a bacterial pneumonia and they don't know how I got there. So that was one. The other one was a gram negative bacteria. They don't know where that came from. And I'm, I don't remember the third one. It's an electron something bacteria. I can't think of the name, but three different ones and they can't figure it out what's happening to my body. It's concerning because when you want to know what's happening to you, mm -hmm. but my greatest concern was how did I get it? It wasn't until after I was out of the hospital that I was talking to the VA nurse who called me because I raised a stink and call and talked to the chief doctor at Tulsa Medical Clinic about my experience with the VA. Because back in July, my blood work was great. I reported an illness, but was told, well, you can come by and do this if you want to. There wasn't a specific, hey, let's make an appointment. Let's get you in here. It sounds pretty serious. So I thought over-the-counter medication was working. So he was asking me, did I drink any bad water? Have I been out of the country? He says, you know, him. he has a niece and a nephew that was in a children's hospital suffering from E. coli bacteria from the rural water out of Bixby. And I am like, this is crazy. I don't know. But for the most part, I just drank filtered water out of my home or a bottle of water. And, and it, it's kind of one of those things that I, I have to, or I feel like I need to kind of broach the subject. Mm -hmm. You may never know. Mm -mm. It, it's it. And how much time do you want to waste on trying to figure out where it came from versus what you got to do now that you had it? And, and where is it, where has this journey of, um, brought about opportunity to self-advocate because you were going to, you potentially could have died. Yes. So how does that, how does that impact your ability to say, Hey, I'm going to fight through this. I am going to stand up for this. I'm going to take these measures. And now that I'm even that I'm out how does my life look right now? What do I want to do different? You know, I even thought about becoming like a Howie Mundell, shave my head and be a germaphobe. <laughs> what good would that be? Nothing. Nothing at you, all. You know, so we, we go from one extreme to the other when we're being impacted. So I have to do a lot of self-talk and realize, hey, this is a fluke. Let's backtrack. Now I, I came home out of the hospital, filled my jacuzzi tub up with hot water and a half bottle of bleach and let it run for an hour. I did that twice. So now I'm be more proactive and do that. Depending on the use of the jacuzzi, I'm going to do it at least once a month of filling up with Clorox bleach and let it run through the system because that's only one place that I can think of because I haven't been through bad water situations. 
you you just have to be careful. I have a, a, um, a veteran who is a infectious control doctor. And he says that even a paper cut can cause you to have a bacterial infection and you not know it. So I have no clue. All I want to do now is how do I be more proactive in my health? Because I am. Um, so going from when that was Wednesday, Thursday, I found this out going into Friday. I'm fine. Plenty of friends coming. You came by to see me twice. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, you know, Saturday is when I had the impact. Okay. What happened Saturday? Saturday, my grandson was turning three. The impact, you know, a, a child wants the parent to be present, especially when you go through a life or death situation. And this is, this is a little challenge for me to talk about because it's fresh for me. What has taken me so many years to figure out to have closure in my life. And where I'm going with this is I, I want my listeners to understand I love my parents. My parents have been married for 57 years. How they made it, I don't know. I'm just glad they did. I know my mom probably loved me in her own way but not in the way that I needed or want. Just some of the, and I want to go into details, but just some of the dynamics of our relationship, I can tell there was an attachment issue between my mother and I. Mm. I could tell my dad loved me, but I'll go in a little further. When a baby has a, you know, mother's carrying the child, the expectation, well, you're a mom. What was your expectation of having a child when they come out? Yeah. Uh, well, I just thought they would be loved and know that they were loved, that they'd be happy, that they would, you know, go on and be productive citizens. I mean, I had all these expectations. Yeah. I will tell you that now I have different ones. So I've, <laughs> I've released a lot of those expectations, but that's a different story for a different time. Well, for a mom that has um, perfectionism, Mm -hmm. They expect that baby to come out looking perfect, nothing wrong. Okay. And I had a uh, birth defect that caused us not to bond. And there is research showing that in some cases, when mothers don't bond, they have a hard time building attachment to that child. Oh, there's a lot of research on it. Yeah, it's yes. not... It's uh, there truly is. And um, there's just so we, uh, there's a book that's called The Attachment Styles. I forget mm. the authors. It's actually two doctors, but uh, it's well, it's yellow. I can tell you all that. If I had it in front of me, I loaned it out or I'd be showing it to you right now. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful book to, uh, to read. And uh, we, they go through the the process of, of helping their audience understand that that first 10 days, there's a cycle a bond that goes on between the mother and the infant. And those 10 days, it's so important. Eye contact, yes. the hearing of her heart against her breath, uh, breast, um, um, the, uh, the, 
oh my gosh, it is the, the process. She's basically regulating the infant's heartbeat. They're still matching. And, um, anyway, that 10 days can never be made up. It's not, it's sadly, once it's gone, it's gone, but it is so vital to the outcome of stability, safety, um, the mechanisms that the infant needs to be able to develop. And if it's not established in that 10 days, it is next to impossible to establish in the future. And, but those 10 days, once they're gone, they're gone. And, and I forget what all those are, but we can go into that. I'll research it again. It's been a little bit since I've had to cover it. So you didn't have that because you had a birth defect that caused her to sort of reject you. It sounds like she actually did reject you. And that's where you and I kind of have a little bit in common. I wasn't born with a birth defect. I was just born to a 15 year old mom Mm. that did not want me for the first three weeks. And so she had wanted nothing at all to do with me. And, and so that bonding also didn't um, happen. But when we look at generational uh, situations, my oldest daughter and I, when she was born, it was against, um, I was forced to have to go in the hospital. We had planned a home birth and, uh, she ended up because they were like, oh my gosh, she's not going to be, um, she's going to, she's gone way past her birth date. Okay. That she needs to be doing. And I was like, I feel fine. I think she's fine, but they scared us into it. And I go and have this baby and she was born about three weeks too early. So her blood wouldn't transfer Mm. correctly, uh, the oxygen. Okay. And she ended up having to be in the NIC unit. Well, guess what happened? Um, the, it, it, that also that lack of bonding time was, was completely out of our control because she was born too soon, not later. And, um, and we, even now as a mother and daughter, we love each other so much and we are much in contact almost every day, but we still, our relationship is different from the children that I had at home that I could keep against my chest and, uh, and nurse. And and I mean, it was beautiful. So my heart, I'm just going to, even though I know you're an adult right now, my heart goes out to you one, because I understand what that feels like from my perspective, but I also understand what it means to be the mother and have it taken away from you. And so, yeah. You know, I, I want our listeners to understand this. I hold no ill feelings towards my mother. I understand the dynamics of what happened in our relationship. Okay. There shouldn't be any hatred or pity or any of those things. It, it, sh- it, it should be an understanding that we need to be more aware that bonding is important in that process. Men need to step it up with their wives, especially after having a child, and and help the bonding process of that child with both parents. Mm -hmm. Because that's so vital and so important. Because what happened when I was born, dad had to go to Thailand because he was in the Air Force. And this is during the Vietnam War. We bonded. And I remember him coming back and saying, you know, I'm so sorry that our relationship didn't help because I wanted, I loved you so much 
and I realized that I pushed too hard in bonding. And so he had some remorse. And so you cre- there's this hurt that's been created. But what's so funny is that the hurt, if you really understand it, didn't really come from any any of us. Life just happens. <laughs> and we have to understand that sometimes life just happens. It's like, Julia, if you and I were driving a car and that car, you're driving my car and the tire blows out, we wreck, we roll, we crash. Whose fault is it? We try to take control of the situation by finding blame so it manages our fear. Because it's easy for me to say it's your fault or it's my fault because I didn't check the tire. I mean, there's so many things that could have gone wrong that life just happens. And we have to accept that life just happens. People say, well, I want to blame God. You know, God's not a genie. He's not Zeus. He doesn't move people like pawns. Life just happens. And I think right there, Steve, that, that one of the points too that I would add to that is that we, in I do believe from the heart of hearts that we do the best we can do. And, and, and I, from my trauma background, childhood trauma background, I can look back at my mom and my dad and I can, I could go, Ooh, they were just so, you know, wrong. They, they just, all these things that just, they (laughs) hurt me. They did. They were, they sucked at parenting. Now I'll be honest with you. I still hold, they sucked at parenting. (laughs) Okay. But they still did the best that they knew how to do. Totally. Even in their suck, you know, and what the thing is, is that had they been better parents, I can't say that my life would have changed or been any different because I don't know what that looked like. But I can tell you that because I was I lacked certain parental experiences <laughs> uh, from them <laughs> that I I became the person that I am today and I'm pretty positive at least my belief system states that because I experienced these things, I have greater empathy. I have greater compassion. I have a greater love. There is there. I hear it on an quite often actually is that as that I could have gone the other direction. I could have just literally hated men. I could have literally hated family. I could have chosen to be mean. And selfish and all the, you know, all these things that we contribute to being negative traits. I don't have the same belief system on all those anymore, all these, these traits, but reality is that it allowed me to choose who I wanted to become. Mm. And I choose softness and laughter and joy. Um, I choose the smile. I choose to be vulnerable and as genuine as I know how to be. And I'm not quite sure that had I been void of some of those childhood experiences, if I would have had those same choices because I wouldn't have known. I don't think I would have known what I do now. You know, Julia, I'm glad you pointed that out because I totally agree with your statement. My parents did the best they could with what they had. 
At the time, I didn't understand it. There was a time period that I was angry because of what happened to me. Part of that, along with divorcing my kid's mother, grew the interest for me to leave the telecommunications engineering field after 15, 20 years to get into being a mental health clinician. There you go. That showed me the answers of knowing where hurt stems from, how attachment works. I have no ill feelings. I love my parents. I know they try to do the best they can. You know, so we've had text messages back and forth between my mother and I, my dad, not so much because he's, he's, he comes and goes uh, from what I've been told. So here it is Saturday and I want to wrap it up really quick. Okay. Saturday doc is like, okay, here's what we're going to do. Here's the plan. Your troponin looks great. It's back to normal again. Your numbers are looking good. You're looking a lot healthier. And during our conversation about me being released this past uh, Sunday, he received a text message and I said, Doc, he, he says, I've got to go. And I said, are you okay? And he says, one of his friends found his friend's body 22 hours ago. It was a military veteran who was a registered nurse at St. John's Hospital. Well, several of my friends and clients knew him. I want to close with this because I fought back in my own mind yes. because I have a mission to complete. I want to finish my doctoral degree. I want to continue helping those who are hurting. That's my purpose. But when you think of Naomi Judd who shot her and killed herself, you think of Robin Williams who committed suicide. You think about people who overdosed. Suicide is something that is harmful. And I've got a friend of mine who we're going to hopefully bring on the show and talk to him about his experience, about his thoughts. But believe you me, I when I was going through my cancer, I had so much coming down on me that I, I entertained the thought, but I pushed back and I said, I cannot be that mm -hmm. selfish. Mm -hmm. If we get anything out of these last two podcasts, life is precious. Look at the beauty of the creation that's around us. Even though people may be spiteful, hurtful, disrespectful. I've always been told if you look for the good in someone, you can always find something good. But if you look for the bad, you will always find the bad. And I much rather find the good in someone because that's where true healing begins, not only for yourself, but for that other person, because how do we know how we interact with that person just might save them from jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge. We're out of time. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, be safe and kind. Thank you all. Thanks for joining us today. We hope to have you back next week. Until then, be safe and be kind.